0: and make them
1: vibrate. Are you ready? Yeah. Freedom! 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 And that's what it feels like to be an American. Thank you, Thank you guys for having me
2: This is Big Sky Lead, a dive into the stories about how government and politics drive the direction of Montana. This podcast is from the reporters of the Montana State News Bureau in Helena, your eyes and ears on state government. It's produced by me, Tom Bridge. Our team brings you an examination of Montana's new landscape with new laws, a new governor, and a new Republican dominance across all of state government. I'm here today with uh, Bureau reporter Seaborn Larson, who attended the Red Pill Festival in St. Regis recently, um, which served as a rendezvous point for those who traffic in anti-government conspiracy theories and as a recruiting event. Seaborn, uh, tell us what is the Red Pill Festival?
3: So the Red Pill Festival is uh, an event that kind of came together Over the first six months of this year that kind of served as a a space where people with uh, I think Christian conservative values can um, sort of feel like they have some community and the kind of comfortability to kind of express their concerns about where the government is right now and then um, you know in that same space sort of kind of trade in the conspiracy theories that they pick up off Facebook or Uh, you know, different corners of the internet. Um, You know, some of those conspiracies just range from things like vaccines and uh, deep state uh, conspiracies all the way through to the 2020 election results that we're all familiar with. Um, The people on stage for this event, uh, elected lawmakers from the Christian conservative wing of the Republican uh, caucus, kind of give these questions credibility, at least to this crowd. So what
2: was the what was the atmosphere like at the event?
3: You know, it really felt like um, sort of a community fair festival kind of event. You know, there's um, kind of people with their kids there, there's sort of an older crowd. And then um, as you kind of walk around, you know, it's a 90 degree day in the uh, middle of July. And so we're seeing, I mean, <laughs> in that kind of festival atmosphere there are vendors and tents around and people uh you know want to sell maybe hats and shirts but then uh next to them there's guys selling really professional looking uh prepper like doomsday equipment mm-hmm. in there we've seen uh next to that you know there's a um, a guy doing a raffle for a violin case that you could fit your uh, 9mm submachine gun in wow. uh, along with its 50 uh, round capacity mag. And wow. um, a little bit further down the way, down the parking lot, there's a coffee stand uh, that I was hoping to get the Liberal Tears coffee, but I realized it was decaf. And oh, so man. I ended up going with the uh, Come and Take It, which is a dark roast, which <laughs> is pretty good.
2: So, if, so, you know, if you were just somebody driving by, this would look like just another one of these summer events that we see in towns all across Montana.
3: You know, yeah, it's, it's a bunch of people in camping chairs, it's uh, some folks up on a stage, we've got American flags flying, and we've got, um, you know, a couple dozen cars there as I kinda got there um, within 20 minutes of the event starting, yeah.
2: Okay, and so the event had quite a list of speakers. Uh, it was an all-day affair. What uh, what were the themes that that these speakers were touching upon?
3: You know, um, like I said, with a lot of the speakers being uh, elected lawmakers, um, you know, they kind of got a chance to showcase for this crowd some of the legislation um, that kind of appeals to this sort of, uh, I mean, it, it kind of goes beyond small governments. You know, we, we look at um, some of the uh, laws that were passed around, you know, restricting uh, public health agencies mm-hmm. from enacting um, certain guidelines or restrictions without input from elected officials that's left, you know, public health agencies across the state, sort of without a real clear understanding of what they're able to do right now. Okay. Um, we're talking about uh, legislation that sort of uh, fortified Second Amendments, maybe didn't actually uh, do anything in terms of uh, next day changes, but um, we're certainly in the spirit of uh, kind of the beliefs that this that this group shares. So, I mean, past that, we're talking about, um, you know, getting involved uh, in politics at the local level or even in the state legislature where some of these officials are from, um, looking at Schools and the, the way they talk about things like critical race theory at this uh, event, you'd kind of get the sense that critical race theory is, um, you know, threatening the very curriculum that, that kids need to, to get on and get off with their life. And so, um, education was a big thing, and then fighting back against this kind of perception that communism is um, slowly and surely, you know, steeping every inch of uh, government and kind of creating this, um, you know, police state. And the, this, these are the kind of things we hear in the language we heard uh, pretty much for about the full eight hours that I was there. And then on top of that, you know, with all of this kind of um, positioning of us against them, naturally there's a lot of talk about enemies and okay so
2: what what do you mean so i mean i i guess what you're making it sound uh, kind of like any sort of political rally where you know entrenched republicans come out and and lay out their greatest hits um but it it was a little bit more than that and so sure. tell me about tell me about this this enemies theme that that came up
3: and so for someone uh i think like me who came into um, guess kind of the political sphere of reporting more recently it was kind of surprising to me to hear how much uh they put their own party in that category of enemies you know i i had shown up expecting them to um talk about democrats and and uh more the more liberal wing of democratic party but Mm -hmm. um kind of time and time again they described democrats as sort of the small smaller hill to to get over so um, Bob Brown, he's a, a state senator from uh, Thompson Falls. He was the first one to get up and speak and, and while he kind of talked more mostly about um, bringing those tradi- like traditional Christian values into their work in government and at the legislature, he also said um, that they really shouldn't dwell on enemies, that they should kind of focus on themselves and uh, you know stay the course as, as he sees that God wants him to do. and so, That was the first speaker of the day. And as kind of these speakers continued on, this sort of us versus them mentality really started to escalate. And so then we get to Senator Teresa Manzella, who's from uh, Hamilton. She's uh, sort of been known as kind of this firebrand Republican. And um, in her speech, she really dials in more on enemies as she talks about identifying your allies and enemies.
0: So you need to know our allies. Uh, again, you've got a lot of great legislatures. But I want to talk to you a little bit about your enemies as well. Um, and I know um, Bob said we shouldn't dwell there. But, and he's right, we shouldn't dwell there. But I, I think that we need to recognize our enemies. And I don't think we've done a really very good job of that. And um, I'm here to tell you, I'm here as living proof that those Republicans. I've been I've been attacked more viciously by people of my own party that go under the Republican mantra that claim to than uh, anybody else than than, than Democrats or anybody
3: else. And so while she's on stage talking, she's bringing up Roman philosophers um, talking about traitors from within their own societies, and she makes some analogy about war in which twenty percent of the time troops are shooting at their own people. And um, as she makes these comparisons, she's getting a pretty solid reaction from the crowd.
0: So that's what we're faced with in the legislature, okay? and I need you to recognize that and um, help us, help us, help those candidates that deserve your support financially and in any ways that you can. Um, and we have to weed out some of those some of those Republicans uh, that don't deserve
2: our support. Mm-hmm. okay, so uh, seaborn, does this language you know war battle enemies um
3: it w- was it firing people up in a way that felt dangerous um you know this is uh this is a crowd that tends to be older. All the way through, like I said, it's kind of a family-friendly atmosphere, and so um, getting up between each speaker, uh, Representative Derek Skies, he's another Rep- Republican from uh, the Flathead area. You know, he gets up and and asks this crowd to kind of respond to him, really for the for the sake of the media that's there, and he kind of repeats this over and over. You know, the media is going to twist this into us inciting violence, but do you feel like inciting violence? And he asked the crowd and every time they all respond in a big no you know this wasn't this is people um sort of kind of answering the question as he's put it there you know for the media's sake right but he kind of repeats himself over and over in that um you know this is the kind of language this is kind of the ferocity that he wants people to bring to the ballot box and to conversations at the dinner table and at their local churches um you know i should say the week before this event, I'd reached out to party leadership, um, that's state GOP chair uh, Don uh known more widely as Don Kay, as, long, as well as the uh, Speaker of the House, Wiley Galt, and Senate President Mark Blaisdell, and um, no one called me back, and I'd left messages specifically to um, you know find out if they had any issue with uh, elected leaders of their party maybe not elected leaders um, in any official capacity, but certainly uh, on the farther right end of their own party. Um, and I hadn't heard back. And so it's, it's really unclear you know, whether they had any sort of blessing from the party or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But then we've got um, the headliner, Matt Shea. He's a former representative from Washington State. Um, who participated and helped plan these armed standoffs with the Bundy family in uh, Nevada and Oregon. Um, an investigation by the Washington House Representatives had called his involvement in those acts, you know, domestic terrorism. And then there was this biblical basis for war which is a four-page manifesto that kind of talks about a strategy of a holy army and ways to know when it's time to fight and the rules for war. You know, Shea took credit for writing this manifesto when it was finally leaked online by somebody within his circle, but um, kind of, again, in the same sense that he was not promoting violence, that it was just sort of notes on, uh, you know, biblical references to war. And so with that in mind, he pretty much opened up uh, his speech with, enemies and kind of buzzy words that uh, really brought the crowd up to his level.
1: So I want to I talk today just briefly about the enemy. The enemy comes to kill, to steal, and to destroy. And that pretty much sums up the Democrat platform. Abortion, socialism, and critical race theory, right? Okay, so there you go. Now we know where it's coming from. It's our job, though, as Americans, to stop saying we're conserving something or we're preserving something. No. We are gaining ground for liberty. We are taking ground for liberty. We are advancing the kingdom of Jesus Christ. We are not retreating from anyone. We are advancing the truth, and we'll keep advancing the truth because we walk in victory.
3: So then Shea goes on to kind of talk about reclaiming what he calls the language of liberty, which um, he kind of gets more specific in saying that this is God's language. You know, this is how um, they're supposed to kind of interface with their government in, in ways that sort of align with uh, scripture. And so he says, you know, you to the people of this festival that um, are hearing him out, That They're the the soldiers of this reclamation, and um, it all starts with ousting the rhinos. That's a Republican in name only, um, sort of at the local level to build that foundation. So he wants people to, you know, follow this plan of living by the Bible and gathering with small religious groups of like-minded people. He even says, you know, you don't have to, um, you know, build this within your church. You can kind of get together in the, you know, in whatever kind of setting you want, and He kind of keeps harping on this idea of like change what you listen to, change what you watch. And this really gets people going, you know, the idea of like cut Netflix out of your life and stop listening to kind of traditional um, institutions of media, whatever that might look like in your life. And, um, you know, he also encourages people to pull their children out of public schools if they feel like they're not getting really enough religious in their educational diet. And so... Um, All of this really is just, again, framed as socialists sort of encroaching across uh, the country into people's lives. And that's kind of the sort of, that's really, you know, uh, uh, a common thread, I think, in most Republican circles, but Mm -hmm. it's kind of the energy he brings to people, uh, the sort of, um, you know, war cry he had Mm -hmm. at this event that really uh, makes him different than any other speaker I've heard before.
1: Answer the question yourself, what will you do for liberty? What will you sacrifice for liberty? What will you give for liberty? I've heard too many people say, I can't do that because my business might go, I can't do that because I might lose my position. I can't, you won't have a position, you won't have a business, you won't have a family or a church or a community until we stand up right now. So, my question to you tonight is who will stand with me? Who will stand with me, though? Stand on your feet right now, and I want you to shout one thing with me. One thing, because I want, I want this to echo through the cameras and make them vibrate. Are you ready? Yeah. Freedom!
2: Freedom! Okay, so I think this is a good time to pivot from on stage to in the crowd. First, um, Tell me, so just so people get a kind of a clear picture of how big of an event this was, you know, without an exact head count, like how many people were there? How many people decided to attend?
3: Yeah, I uh, talked to a couple different people about this because I feel like, it, I mean, it's so hard to, there are scientists who literally look at pictures and try to determine crowd size. And I would say, you know, with the amount of people kind of coming and going throughout mm-hmm. the day and the way people would kind of shift around to try to stay in the shade on a hot day, I'm guessing somewhere between 150 and 200 people are okay. there at any given time. I would guess probably 250 people had come and gone by the end of the day. Okay,
2: so it was, I mean, it was no small event, but it was sure. certainly certainly a, a, a crowd of people. Yeah, I think uh, so. A, and you know, some of these attendees, you said based on kind of their applause and whatever, that you know a lot of a lot of this stuff was resonating with them. But w- what did they have to say when you talked to them?
3: You know, um, I tried to talk to a couple people from, who look like they come from different age groups, maybe different areas, and so um, we kind of had a range. Like uh, this guy Daniel Story, he's a diesel mechanic in Alberton. He would brought his wife and uh, child to the event. And so he had, um, you know, not, not really fully uh, grasped all these ideas when he came to the event. He had seen kind of promotions for this, um, on Facebook, like I think a lot of people did. And he told me he actually decided to go because he saw, um, some of his more, uh, liberal leaning friends, uh, sort of speaking negatively, commenting negatively about it online. And that, that was enough for him to kind of get off, um, you know, get out of the house on a Saturday and go see what it is. But then I, I'd spoken to other people who think, you know. Um, you know, this is, this is kind of like going to see their favorite band in person. You know, Trish Roberts, who uh, drove there from Hamilton, she, she was already familiar with all these ideas. When okay. I spoke to her towards the end of the day, um, she didn't necessarily think she had heard anything new, but um, she specifically wanted to hear some of these speakers in person um, and kind of get that main line of, um, of this energy. Uh, that these speakers had. And so, you know, she was somebody who, when I asked her specifically about, you know, Representative Skies kind of repeating himself in that this is not uh, anything that should incite anybody to violence, and there certainly isn't, you know, uh, planned that way, you know, she wasn't so sure about that. She was one who said, um, you know, she's not afraid of civil war. And if it had come to that, you know, it would merely be these uh, kind of conservative Christian far-right folks, these patriots as they'd call themselves, really just responding to the level of threat that they see kind of imp- impeding on their lives and the, kind of their way of life. Um, you know, whether or not, like, she would actually step up and start something, mm-hmm. I think she would, she would probably say, no, we're merely responding. To, mm-hmm. to kind of the, the the changes that she sees as a threat to her real life.
2: So, I mean, it sounds like this this like I like I mentioned earlier, and, and you kind of affirmed that this this looks like any sort of gathering mm-hmm. in a in a public park. Um, and maybe if you could glean um, some of your experience with the last legislative session and share where some of these conspiracy theories. Um, have kind of worked their way into the mainstream dialogue. And, and by mainstream, I mean, like, on the House floor and in the Capitol and in this policymaking process where these state lawmakers are sent to do, you know, the work of their constituent.
3: Yeah, so like I said, you know, legislation um, sort of prohibiting certain public health guidelines. You know, we saw, man, in April, I think, Senator Keith Regeer, another Republican from the flathead uh, kind of float this debunked conspiracy theory that um, some actor, whether it's the government or these uh, companies that produce this vaccine, um, are, are putting microchips in vaccines to, um, you know, no real response or no one really, you know, denouncing mm-hmm. that kind of theory uh, just being talked about casually on the, on the Senate floor. Um, you know, we've got Then we've got Derek Skees who uh, tried to pass legislation earlier this year that would have formed a commission to nullify any um, federal orders that, uh, you know, this Montana commission would have seen as encroaching on, um, you know, Montana's way of life. And so there's sort of this, uh, you know, undercurrent. It doesn't feel like it's the mainstream uh, GOP, you know, you know, thrust in state politics right now, but it's certainly got a presence that, um, that everyone seems to be pretty aware of, and that's, uh, you know, to be seen in the next, uh, in the next election, how much that, that level will rise. There's a lot of um, candidates for office at this event, mm-hmm. um, you know, simply trying to get their name out, even if they're not even running for a district that's nearby there, but uh, the organizer of this event Randy Mitchell um, told me that he, yeah, he had actually kind of drummed up this entire event just to uh, lead up to his announcement that he's going to run for office against Denley Logie. He's, um, uh, you know, a Republican in the House who um, I, after this last session, have saw saw as a pretty reliable Republican vote, but um, on a few key votes uh, went against the um, Republican Party on um, a few things like transgender or sorry for healthcare for uh, transgender youth. Um, you know he had a couple times where he broke from the party, and that uh, that was enough for Randy Mitchell to to organize this entire event just to just to lead up to his announcement. And now you weren't the only
2: press that attended the event. I'm curious, as we've seen um, in the last few years, uh, these these right-wing events uh, the press can be met
3: with some contempt and some resistance did you guys see yeah. that with this crowd oh man um, not necessarily the crowd you know I not not really in a mob sense like um, I I spoke with a photographer who's there Tony Bynum who's uh, was freelancing with the Washington Post um, you know he had run into a few encounters with uh, people there who just didn't like even being in the background of his photos oh, and really? You know, um, he got approached a couple of times, and you know Tony's a tough guy. He he can brush that off no problem, but um, every time that Skis had the opportunity once he got on stage, he mm-hmm. would find um, Vice Vice News was there. Okay, They're pretty easy to spot with their cameras. There's like six of them, and um, you know he would just have joke after joke after you know kind of deprecating joke against these guys um, until it kind of became you know. A- <laughs> They, you could see at the beginning of the day uh, those vice guys seemed to be you know oh sure you know they had the thumbs up nice you know you know handling it well but by the end of the day I could just kind of see the pain on their faces every time he got up on the stage again and and just sort of you know shaded his eyes so he could go see those guys with the camera mm-hmm. and and bring him up again um, I personally you know felt pretty comfortable you know, talking to people. If they didn't want to talk to me, I'm not going to get too pushy about it. And um, people seem to respect that kind right. of, uh, I guess, distance mm-hmm. that would give them. You know, m- I would say most people I tried to talk to would talk to me. And, you know, some didn't want to talk on the record for my story, but uh, even those people were seemed willing to talk to me about you know why they wanted to be there, and what it was that kind of drove their feelings to this point of um, building a resistance to what they see as uh, you know just the loss of their traditional way of life
2: and did the event itself see any resistance from you know act activists or or people with opposing views? There was no counter protesters or anything like that
3: N- Not that I saw i I kind of would stroll the fairgrounds a little bit just to kind of look and see like oh where are the license plates from that's how we know there's a lot of flathead and Bitterroot people there Mm -hmm. or Idaho Mm -hmm. and Washington but then uh, you know to try to head back to my car and get some water or something really at no point did I ever see anybody who looked like a counter protester or anybody who kind of you know prison. No one was holding signs saying, you know, red pill, blue pill, get out of here. Come right, in. right. So, Trying to no. get, uh,
2: obstruct the event in any way.
3: No, and you know, um, the, the most we saw on that front was a, uh, an event a week earlier. Uh, Better Together uh, was this event that was kind of formed as a, as a preemptive counter-event to the Red Pill Festival okay. in the same fair grounds um, you know, with some help from the Montana Human Rights Network. And that whole event sounded like every speaker uh, there really dialed in on this message of trying to communicate with people in their communities rather than um, live divided. Okay. You know, to, to try to, you know, not force these conversations, but at least have them in a, in a civil manner so that um, people can talk out their differences and not um, be afraid to, to, to have these hard you know, politically divisive conversations. Mm-hmm.
2: Now, you mentioned the Montana Human Rights Network, and, and they they typically monitor um, these sorts of ideologies and, and stuff like that. What That's did right. they have to say about the
3: event? You know, the um, the event was, I think the biggest reason they were concerned was sort of these out-of-state speakers, Mache included, who, who bring this ideology of... Um, it's too late to, to stand by and, and have conversations about this, that mm-hmm. it's, it's time to you know, fight whatever that means to you uh, for what you believe in. And um, you know, kind of just the, the opposite of that Better Together event. Um, you know, Travis McAdam from the Human Rights Network you know, told me that you know, this is kind of the, the dangerous rhetoric that, that hurts communities is um, kind of fortifying that wall in between people of different, uh, you know, political ideologies, and um, and and sort of making a making a attempt to take over local right. government instead of um, having a, a system where we where we have multiple ideas floating around at the same time. Right.
2: Well, all right, folks. Uh, that that's another episode of Big Sky Lead. Uh, if you want to keep hearing this, make sure to subscribe wherever podcasts are found. Thanks, Seaborn. Thanks, Tom.